On this week's edition of New York Now, Governor Kathy Hochul delivers her first State of the State address. We'll have details, and reporter Daryl Camp has reaction from top lawmakers. Then, Senate Republican leader Rob Ort joins us with his take, and later, this week's panel has analysis and more news from the week. I'm Dan Clark, and this is New York Now. Today, the Senate majority Welcome to this week's edition of New York Now. I'm Dan Clark. What is the state of our state? That was the question this week for Governor Kathy Hochul when she delivered her first State of the State address in Albany. It was a historic moment for the state of New York after 200 years of men serving as governor and 100 years of those men delivering the state of the state in Albany, Kathy Hochul became the first woman to deliver the address in New York history. The speech was about 34 minutes and touched on some top issues facing New Yorkers today. Crime, cost of living, housing, and a lot more. Take a look. It's been 11 years since a sitting governor delivered their State of the State address in the traditional House of the State Assembly Chamber. Governor Kathy Hochul broke that trend this year, signaling a new working relationship with the legislature, which had a tense relationship at times with her predecessor. To my colleagues and partners in government, for too long, Albany's executive and legislative branches were fighting each other in that arena. No more. That ends now. It was a test of Hochul's ability to lead the state in turbulent times. The economy continues to struggle, crime is up, and the COVID-19 pandemic feels never-ending. But Hochul said New York has reached a turning point. Let us seize this moment with great confidence and optimism and create a legacy of accomplishment that will endure through the ages, a new era for New York. On crime, Hochul handed a win to criminal justice advocates, throwing her support behind the so-called Clean Slate Bill. That would clear the criminal records of those who've served their sentence after a waiting period. At the same time, she pledged to boost funding and resources for members of law enforcement to reduce violence and gun crime. Meanwhile, we'll triple the resources for both our gun tracing efforts as well as for successful community-based programs. Hochul also proposed new tax relief for middle-income New Yorkers and the state's economy. $100 million would go to small businesses, while a $1 billion property tax rebate would help homeowners. And she wants the state to speed up tax cuts for middle-income earners, currently scheduled to be fully implemented in 2025. That means more than 6 million middle-class taxpayers will get more money in their pockets sooner, at a time when inflation is robbing them of any gains in income. She also made some major commitments on the environment and housing. She said New York should move toward more renewable energy powering buildings and invest in climate-resilient infrastructure, plus a new $500 million investment in offshore wind energy to help combat the climate crisis. This is a threat to our way of life, here and now. And that's why we must and we will implement an ambitious agenda to meet this moment. On housing, Hochul wants a five-year plan to invest $25 billion in affordable and sustainable housing. That would be targeted at providing more housing options for low-income New Yorkers and the homeless. We need to focus on addressing the root cause of homelessness, unmet mental health needs, poverty, addiction, and housing insecurity. Every New Yorker deserves access to affordable housing. 
whether they're at the risk of homelessness or simply struggle to pay the rent on time each month. And on ethics, Hochul released a new plan aimed at restoring trust in government. She proposed new term limits for statewide elected officials, the governor, LG, state controller, and state AG, and also a new plan for JCOPE, the state's ethics agency. Good government groups say JCOPE isn't truly independent because the agency's members are appointed by lawmakers and the governor. Hochul said she would replace it with a new panel made up of deans from the state's law schools. I will introduce legislation to replace that commission with a new ethics enforcement watchdog, one with real teeth, one that answers to New Yorkers and not politicians. But for critics of Hochul's speech, it's not what she said, it's what she left out. Congressman Lee Zeldin, a Republican who's considered the party's presumptive nominee for governor, said she didn't come out strong enough in support of law enforcement. While listening to Kathy Hochul's State of the State, you were probably wondering, where was her plan to truly tackle rising crime in New York? Where was her workable plan to keep our communities safe? Amidst rising crime numbers in New York City, Rochester, and elsewhere, where was her unequivocal support for our men and women in blue? State Republican Chair Nick Langworthy, meanwhile, said Hochul's address failed to provide a clear strategy to improve the state as a whole and stop New Yorkers from moving out. Data recently released from the U.S. Census Bureau shows that New York currently leads the nation in population decline. There is no vision in this state. To fix New York, we need a fresh start. We need to take a bottle of bleach to the halls of Albany and clean house. Hochul will now negotiate her priorities with state lawmakers throughout the legislative session. That ends in June. And we'll have more details about Hochul's agenda in the next few weeks when she releases her first state budget proposal. In the meantime, mixed reaction from lawmakers on Hochul's State of the State. Reporter Daryl Camp joins me now with more. Daryl, you were down at the Capitol during the State of the State. You weren't allowed in the chamber because of COVID, but top lawmakers spoke to you right after. What did they say? That is correct. Well, the Senate Majority Leader, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, had an optimistic tone following the State of the State address, but she did admit that the legislature still needs to work out the details involved with several of Hochul's proposals. One of those issues is ethics reform and specifically the Joint Commission on Public Ethics. As you know, Senator Kruger, among others, has had a lot of different variations on changing Coke so that it actually is an agency with teeth. It actually is an agency that is accountable to, to the people. And so I am certainly uh, looking at what the governor is putting forward as well as what we're doing. We've got to make Coke make sense. Assembly Republican leader Will Barclay had a less flattering position on that speech. He said he was disappointed by Hochul's address and saw it as the governor playing it safe. I really thought it was a low energy speech. Uh, we got huge issues in the state, whether it's economic issues, we have rising crime, and obviously we're trying to face a pandemic. This is a time that New Yorkers are looking for true leadership, and frankly, I didn't hear it from this governor. When it comes to specific criticisms on the Republican side, a common complaint is that there was no mention of changes to bail reform in the public safety portion of her address. Senator Tom O'Mara is the top Republican on the Senate Finance Committee and is also a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, but there was absolutely no detail on, on what she's proposing. You know, still uh, sounds like a lot of uh, uh, coddling of criminals, even though it's very vague and soft language she's, she's using. Uh, we'll, we'll see what comes out in her budget address and what those details are. 
Governor Hochul also announced that the state would create a tax credit for overtime paid to farm workers. That comes as a reduction of the overtime threshold to 40 hours from the current 60 is under consideration. Senator Michelle Henchy, a Democrat who chairs the Agriculture Committee, said the governor seems to have prioritized supporting food production given rising prices and supply chain issues. Because what we need to do is really support farmers. If farmers could pay people 40 hours, uh, 40 hours in overtime, they'd be doing that. The problem is we have not invested in them to date. New York State farmers are not the ones who are getting federal subsidies. However, both Democrats and Republicans seem to be waiting for the details of the governor's budget proposal before drawing conclusions on a number of issues. All right. Thank you, Daryl. Thank You're you welcome. for being down there on Wednesday. Really appreciate it. So the state of the state is usually seen as a baseline for that year's legislative session, how it's going to go, and it gives the lawmakers the chance to set their own agenda on both sides of the aisle. I spoke this week with Senate Republican Leader Rob Ort for his take on the new session and Hochul's state of the state. Senate Republican Leader Rob Ort, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much, Dan. Good to see you and Happy New Year to you. Good to see you too. So we're talking a day after the governor's state of the state speech. Let's start there. Let's start broad. What did you think of the speech? It was about 40 minutes or so of the governor's priorities for the year. I'm sure that you have a few that stood out. Yeah, so it was obviously it was, uh, you know, very different. Um, it was in the assembly chamber. You know, a lot of these speeches, Dan, as you know, and this is not really even a criticism, but they're they're sort of high on platitudes. But the substance always kind of remains to be seen. Right. That's sort of their bold visions but not always uh, a lot of details. And of course, that's where um, that's where a lot of the rubber meets the road when it comes to these things. There were some things she mentioned that I thought were, it was good to hear them either recognized or at least given some kind of shrift in the speech. So she talked about the exodus of people from New York. Um, and I think that was important. Our conference has talked about this for many years because we see it as a, a sign that the policies we're putting forward are not are not working if they're if it's chasing people away there was not a lot in there about how we correct it but at least she took the first step you know the first step admitting you have a is admitting you have a problem right so so she talked about that she talked about uh she in, in her i don't remember she if her, she addressed it but in her uh book in the state of the state uh, uh address that we were provided she does talk about an expansion of the joseph p dwyer program mm. which is certainly something our conference has supported, um, you know, I think I, I, I'm grateful that she's not gonna use veterans and veterans mental health as a bargaining chip. Uh, and so if it's not expanded, that's gonna be on the Senate Democrats and Assembly Democrats to explain why, because she included it in there, which I think is a good thing. She uh, proposed a middle-class tax cut. So I was happy to hear that. Those were some of the, the good things that I, I, I was happy to hear her talk about. Obviously, there were other uh, other aspects that were more concerning, but you know, I'm sure we'll we'll chat about that as well. Yeah, let's get right into that. So, one thing that she did not mention at all during she did mention the spike in crime. I should say that she did mention that, yep. but she did not mention bail reform, which seems to be on cue right now for some changes again this year. Democrats still control the state legislature, so it's unlikely they're going to repeal the bail reform law altogether. I know that's a, what you would support. If if we're not going to repeal it, but there are going to be changes, what would you like to see? I, I think that your conference and the Assembly Republicans and the state Republican Party have really changed the narrative on this to something from um, what we had as cash bail before, but now what changes would happen to the new law? And it's really confusing. This law is confusing to begin with. So where should we end up after all of this, in your opinion? Sure. Well, I appreciate the the the, the, the point that you make that it's confusing. I think it's confusing to, to, to a lot of people because most people, 
They're not criminals. They're not police officers. They're not district attorneys. They're not, right? They're not in the criminal justice system. So I think for a lot of folks, this was a foreign concept. The, the fact was we had a, a system where you had bail. Uh, and, and the real impetus behind bail, as you and a lot of other people will tell you, is that um, that it was really designed to make sure that somebody came back to court. So um, the Democrats made wholesale changes, but they also got rid of what we call judicial discretion. In other words, other states also uh, have cashless bail, or they have certain crimes that are bail eligible, um, but they leave it to the judge to determine things like, is this person a threat to themselves? Are they a community, a, a, a danger to the community? You know, is this the third arrest in the last five days of this individual? Because if it is, maybe this person needs to be held without bail, or maybe there needs to be a significant bail put on them, because there clearly is, is a larger problem here. This wasn't a one-time sort of offense. And of course, yesterday, the same day that she's delivering the state of the state, the Manhattan DA comes out with a memo, a slew of, of crimes uh, that he's either not going to prosecute or not going to prosecute very hard. Um, and again, it shows that there are those, including my colleague, Majority Leader Stuart Cousins, she said there will be no changes to, you know, from her standpoint, there's going to be no changes, no appetite for changes to the cashless bail. Um, and I think that shows you where some on the far left are, that they don't want to see any changes to this. Um, but as you have pointed out, we're going to continue to make this uh, a, a major issue. It's a concern for us. I think it's a concern for a lot of New Yorkers. And I think New Yorkers need to be educated. They're seeing an uptick in crime. We believe this is a, a key component as to why that's happening. So there is a proposal, and, and I think you touched on it a little bit, from the chiefs of police where cash bail would be eliminated altogether, so no more cash bail, no more having to pay money to come back to court, but then they would replace that with some heightened judicial discretion. We don't really know exactly what judges would uh, base that discretion on, whether there are certain sure. factors or uh, whatever along those lines. Is that a proposal that you would support, or do you think there needs to remain some level of cash bail there? You know. That is, a, that is certainly a change that I think we, I think anything that returns judicial discretion would be something that would, would interest our conference. Now, again, we're, we're sort of negotiating in reverse, or we're sort of going about this in reverse. This is the kind of discussion that really we felt should have happened at the outset. And I can't help but believe that it's the largest reason it's happening right now, uh, this discussion, is what the election results that you saw, particularly on Long Island and in other parts of New York, around this issue. I'm doubting the efficacy of what we've seen here in New York. And I think one of those areas certainly would be to return judicial discretion. And that really, I think, is the issue behind this, is we're trying to protect the public. We're not, we're not trying, you know, there's obviously a concern for anybody in the justice system, innocent until proven guilty, and obviously they have rights. But those rights can't supersede, they have to be at least equal, they cannot supersede the rights of the public to safety, whether it's a police officer, a prosecutor, a judge. They have an obligation. We as elected leaders have an obligation to protect people. Um, and I don't believe this law is doing that. I think it's doing the opposite. You know, before I let you go, we touched on it a little bit, but the mass exodus of New York, we have the highest population decline in the country right now, year over year in New York. Mm -hmm. It's not really mm -hmm. a surprise to people that follow politics and government here in New York. 
In your opinion, how could we stop that? We do have some proposals like those tax cuts that the governor mentioned mm -hmm. yesterday that obviously helps, uh, but we're seeing people just leave in droves. And we have seen tax cuts in New York in the last few years, and that seems to have not really slowed the trend. So what can we do to stop that from your view? Yeah, so obviously our conference has always supported less taxes, but I think it's gotten to the point where just a little tax cut very often doesn't offset the significantly other high, you know, New York's a high cost state. I mean, even by almost any metric, in some cases, in large cases, driven by policies that come out of Albany. And so while there's taxes, then there's sort of those hidden costs. Uh, and then you factor in crime right now that's going on. You factor in the pandemic. New York, New York City is a densely populated place. And I mean, there's a lot of people between the cost of an apartment in Brooklyn, between the high density that you're living in and, and with COVID, between the crime, you know, we have to take a long, hard look and realize people are mobile today and people are more mobile than ever. And they're going to go where opportunity and where their dollar goes further and where they have more freedom and opportunity uh, to fulfill their potential. And right now and for the last several years, that is not in New York. And that is a real issue, I think, that we have to tackle going forward as elected leaders. All right, a really exciting year ahead in Albany. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens in the next few months, but we will leave it there. Senate Republican Leader Rob Ort, thank you so much. Dan, thank you very much for having me. And we'll be having the other leaders from the legislature on the show here as soon as we can get them scheduled. So let's get into it now with this week's panel. Karen DeWitt is from New York State Public Radio. John Campbell is from Gothamist and WNYC. I'm so happy to say that. I know, and welcome to the public broadcasting world. And We're yes. thrilled. All public media roundtable. Look of at this. Course. I know. Yes. An all public media show this week. Very fun. <laughs> so we're talking about State of the State and a few other things. John, what was your reaction to it? It's It was Kathy Ogle's first day of the state, maybe her last day of the state. Yeah, well, I mean, she's still the front runner for, for election at this right. point. But, uh, you know, one of the things that really, really stood out to me, and, and obviously it was a, a theme of the speech, she called her speech a new era for New York, and that was a very clear reference to breaking from the old era, the Andrew mm. Cuomo era. And she, right at the beginning of the speech, made a point to say that the days of, of uh, petty beefs with the, the New York City mayor are over. I don't think she used the word beef, but uh, that, that's my <laughs> word. Uh, and the day, uh, days of, of fighting for credit with the legislature are over. That was meant to be a very clean break from Andrew Cuomo, and, and she never explicitly mentioned his name, but, you know, the, the implicit mention was there. But, you know, you also, this was very much a Kathy Hochul speech, not, an, uh, not what we've been used to for the last 10 years. It was, it was pretty brief. It was, mm -hmm. it was about 33 minutes or mm -hmm. so. And there weren't these, like, big headline-grabbing proposals that Andrew Cuomo used to try to do. Um, you know, I remember back to a, a, a huge convention center in Queens that he wanted to build that was one of his uh, headline uh, proposals that never ended up happening. But, you know, this was a more realistic, smaller agenda, I think, than what we've, we've seen in years past. But it was, you know, very Kathy Hochul. She made it her own. You know, I don't, 
I don't buy just yet that the beef between the governor and the mayor is is all fresh and new and everything's going to be great because Eric Adams is such a strong personality. Well, probably not, but I, I think what she's saying, she's not deliberately going to pick yes. fights like right. her predecessor did right. all yeah. the so, time. So, Karen, what was your reaction to this? Well, speech? I was uh, the pool reporter inside the chamber. John and I drew lots. And <laughs> I lost. But um, <laughs> so it was supposed to be capped at 50 people, but really it felt like there was about 10 people in there. That's what it, it felt was, like from watching the feed. It was yeah. just strange. It was so subdued. And, you know, she didn't get any cheers when she came on, no applause for any of her proposals, no boos, no hecklers, at least. She didn't, <laughs> she didn't have to face that, which Andrew Cuomo had to a couple of times. But it was, it was short. It was to the point. As John said, she laid out, this is a new era. I have some proposals. And she is talking about spending a lot of money, $10 billion on health care, a $1 billion property tax break. The state is really flush with cash because tax revenues came in higher than expected. You've got all this federal... Uh, aid packages that came in. So it was she was able to give a lot of good news. Oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And she actually has the money. You know, previous governors came in and there was, you know, a $10 billion spending gap and they'd have to, you know, have austerity measures and, yeah. you know, tax increases. So I think she got the benefit of that. But I think it was a little bit of a shame that this is the first woman governor, her first state of the state. And she didn't get any applause, she didn't get any credit, but, you know, she just had to just talk to the camera and talk to the people in New York. Right, a lot of people had called the speech low energy, including Assembly Republican leader Will Barclay that we just heard from on the show uh, from Daryl's reporting. Well, it's and, tough without an audience. Yeah, exactly, that's, yeah. that's, that's just, the thing. It really is. is. As you and I know, as broadcasters, when you have an audience, there's a different energy. Plus, and, everyone's sick with COVID. I mean, the yeah. Assembly Speaker couldn't even be there because you had to take a, a rapid test before you got in the chamber, and he tested out with a, he got a, he tested positive. Right. Um, for COVID. Something that wasn't in the speech that made not really headlines but ruffled some feathers was sexual harassment. You know, we had this big scandal with the governor last year where he was ousted over sexual harassment. He resigned. He wasn't fired, obviously. Um, we had sexual harassment advocates coming out and saying, you know, we're really disappointed that she didn't make this a hallmark of the speech. And that ties into ethics and JCOPE, uh, the state's ethics agency, and what, what goes from there. How are we going to replace that if we replace it? So, uh, Karen, where do you see that conversation going? You've been, you've been through more than one ethics panel. That's right. State. That's right. And if Jacob ends, I'm going to have so much more free time in my life from trying to write <laughs> Jacob stories and explain them to people. She wants to replace this troubled panel with 15 law school deans, which sounds kind of crazy, but hmm. she doesn't have a lot of options without, you know, making a constitutional amendment change. And they, the law school deans could pick people, be a rotating panel, and that would give some distance from the legislature and the governor that they wouldn't be able to control the panel. I mean, not yeah. as much. There's always yeah. politics that happen, but it would be a lot harder than the system now where the governor directly appoints most of the people on Jacob. And we saw that Jacob was really, you know, frankly, a tool of the former governor to protect him against any uh, troubles that he had. And he had a lot of troubles at the end. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it, it kind of highlights how difficult it is to, to figure out who should be enforcing ethics rules in New York State. You know, we've seen appointees by, by political, uh, you know, elected officials that doesn't work all the time. So the idea is law school deans that, you know, you take five out of a rotating cast of 15 and mm -hmm. that gives them some distance. But even then, uh, you know, I saw uh, Blair Horner of, of the New York Public Interest, Re Interest Research Group told Karen that, right. you know, well, law schools, lobby, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, and Jacob is in charge of 
uh, regulating lobbyists, this new panel would be in charge of that. So the, the problem is there's no perfect answer. I think they're trying to get closer to a good answer. And under well, her, big, go ahead. Again. I just gonna say the bigger issue is just the culture of corruption that's yes. been tolerated in Albany for so long that people, you know, some lawmakers assume I'm going to get away with what I can, and they have, and I've seen very many of them through <laughs> the years do that. And so when you have that culture, it's hard to police them too. If everybody kind of agreed that, yeah, we're not going to be engaged in anything unethical, it would be a lot easier. Right. And I'm not saying that other places are perfect, but there are some states where they don't get mired in corruption in the same <laughs> way that it does here, right? Hope springs eternal. Right, right. Speaking of scandal, it is Friday morning. We are taping right now. Former Governor Andrew Cuomo is scheduled to be in court this afternoon, and we're expecting the criminal charge against him to be dropped. Uh, John, I want to go to you. Are we expecting anything specific, or I guess what are we looking for here? Well, th this criminal complaint, which was filed by the, the Albany County Sheriff, Craig Apple, back in October, it, it was kind of doomed from the start. Yeah. There was this, this rift between the sheriff and the district attorney, David Soares, where the sheriff didn't give the district attorney a heads up. They were both kind of doing parallel investigations at the same time. They weren't, clearly weren't on the same page. The district attorney warned that the filing was potentially defective in November. I mean, so it was, it really spelled a bad path for this, this criminal complaint. Uh, and and that, that concluded this week on Monday, or, or Tuesday, earlier this week, when uh, David Soares revealed that he, he doesn't intend to prosecute the, the case. The Albany County DA, David Soares. So the, the, the case centers around Brittany Camisso, a, an, an aide to, to Governor Cuomo, who says that, that the governor groped her uh, in late 2020. Uh, she's very disappointed in this. She intends to pursue a, a civil action or explore a civil action. That may be where we, we see this, this case go. And Soares did say that he found the chart, you know, her allegations credible, but he didn't think there would be enough evidence to go to trial, which they has also raised some questions. And certainly, again, you mentioned the sexual harassment, anti-sexual harassment groups in the legislature and, you know, Cuomo's alleged victims are all saying, well, why other crimes get prosecuted, you know, with a small amount of evidence? Why are they pulling back from this one? Exactly. It's going to be an interesting case to watch today. We'll have the latest up on our website, obviously, when that happens uh, this afternoon, by the time this show airs, actually. Mm -hmm. So we'll leave it there. Karen DeWitt from New York State Public Radio, John Campbell from WNYC and Gothamist. I'm not going to get tired of saying that. Thank <laughs> you both so much. And if you missed the State of the State this week, we have the full speech up on our website. That's at nynow.org. We'll leave it on the homepage for the weekend so you can jump right to it whenever you want to see it. In the meantime, we'll see you back here next week. Thanks for watching this week's New York Now. Have a great week and be well.